This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I'm Chris Mintliff and I've got Todd Sloan back with me today. Todd, it's been a minute since we were together, maybe early uh, part of the year. And some things have changed sort of economically in the U.S. Uh, globally, we're in a different stage than we were from uh, more pandemic-minded things. And last time we talked, it was about kind of growth and scale and and some strategies, some tactics, some ideas around that. We talked a lot about kind of that early stage or startup. I wondered today if we could talk a little bit more about kind of that mid-stage company, maybe late stage. But I'm I'm wondering to start... What's the climate from your perspective? What are you seeing that is a new or unique challenge uh, for those seeking some venture capital, seeking a, a, an additional round of funding? Kind of what's what's happening that's maybe unique right now that if I'm a mid-market company and I'm in my first or second round, or I'm just kind of out there seeking venture capital, is there something that's going to be a rock in my shoe right now as I'm trying to kind of sort through some of that? Yeah, valuation. Right. So obviously valuation pressure, you know, if you go to raise a, finan- a financing round today, you know, are they going to push back and are they being the uh, investor community going to push back and say, you know, last round was valued here. Maybe we're not so excited about those kind of multiples and push back on valuations. Um, and ultimately that creates dilution pressure. Yet at the same time, you know, these companies need, you know, capital to continue to grow. Um, and so that's probably right there. That's the formula that, you know, challenges, you know, that mid-stage, early-stage companies, you know, uh, and it and kind of continuing to pursue their goals. Do you feel like there's a, and we've talked a little bit about this before on, on the show with others, what's the relationship been like as uh, so many organizations, so many companies were focused on growth, 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 and showing growth, 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 but profitability is becoming more and more a, a a bullet point in that discussion where a lot of venture capitalists are saying, that's cool, good for you. Show me, show me how it's going profitably. And and if I don't have a response to that, I'm flat-footed. Are you seeing that that's also part of the dynamic that's new or changing? I think that's always part of the dynamic is proving that your business model works. So uh, I've always been a big believer um, coming from my my seat at the table, if you will, as the chief financial officer, is that we've got to be able to show a path to profitability. Um, you've got to be able to show that the metrics, the unit economics, if you will, um, work. You know, so even if you're burning cash, which, you know, we all do as, you know, early stage companies, the ability to prove that you know you can show that that business model can be successful as you start to scale and you start to get closer to maturity and if you can't prove that out and it's just you know obviously a business model that doesn't have the great unit economics that's going to be a challenge and investors will snuff that out at some point and hurt your ultimate you know goals and valuation path I think investors used to be more patient with that, or or at least more willing to sort of say, "Okay, well, I'll be along for the ride." And and now, 
at least in technology, it's a little less, it's a little more, um, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to dedicate some attention to you until you can do these things. Is that accurate? Are you seeing that? You know, I, I, I do see venture capital as being pretty supportive, you know, so the early stage, yeah, so maybe a series A person saying, yeah, we get that this is a challenging market, but we do, we made a bet with you because we do believe in your in your business model, not so much. We do believe in the market that you are going after, you know, maybe as an example, like a healthcare tech company that, you know, is providing a great benefit offering that they do believe the market needs and the demand is out there. And even though this may be a challenging market, we're going to continue to support you. Does that mean they're going to hand you big checks for huge valuations? Not necessarily, you know, but they will continue to support you and, you know, um, invest just at maybe, you know, little tighter valuations. So I, I do see support from good VCs that certainly believe in the business that they invested from the beginning. I feel like that's a great segue to um, a mindset that maybe startups and, and as you pointed out, Series A um, are enjoying. But let's talk a little bit more about how, how do we define kind of that? How do I know when I'm getting into this sort of mid-sized uh, sort of strategically, I need to think differently. And I, I kind of want to position this in two different ways. How should I be preparing uh, for for scale as that sort of uh, investing-minded organization who's looking for, as you said, Series C or, or, or later? I'm kind of moving into that. What should I be keeping in mind? And then what do I do with all of that? What do I do with some of that investment? How do I start to think about headcount? How do I start to think about uh, expansion? What should I be thinking? Capital? What, what, how should I prioritize? So let's let's walk through some of that stuff. From your perspective, how do I how do I start to think of myself? What what are the hallmarks of a mid market um, or a mid sized company that is starting to need to take this investment round uh, seriously in a different kind of way? Yeah, it's um. Let's say you've gotten to say twenty million or so. Um, you're seeing market acceptance for your product. Um, you know, how do you now transition to sort of really adding fuel to the fire? Maybe you've been very much sort of, sort of a founder-led sales organization. Um, you know, so how do you now start to think about the go-to-market investment? And the go-to-market investment is or the marketing funnel. You know, so how are we going to, you know, really sort of add that fuel? You know, are we going to invest heavily in you know marketing efforts? You know, brand awareness. Um, advertising, um, lead generation, events, content creation, you know, all of these sort of, you know, marketing tools to kind of really start to build more awareness, you know, and broaden the market opportunity and then feed that with, you know, sort of the sales capacity planning and a lot of the decisions around how do you structure the sales organization? Uh, do you go geographical? Do you go vertical? Um, what kind of capacity planning are you thinking about? Um, you know, what segments are you attacking? Are you attacking sort of the SMB world, you know, uh, or, or is your product really more geared towards enterprise offerings? And that all impacts how you design your sales organization uh, and you transition from that sort of founder-led sales organization to more of a, you know, meat and potatoes, larger sales organization, with all the different um, components and faction breakdowns. 
So that's really a lot about you know how your product has gained acceptance in the market to get to 20 million. Let's say, you know, again, sort of talking about that mid-stage to kind of it's very hard to go from 20 to 40 or 50, you know, on how you make that transition. Some, you know, a lot of companies will, you know, you fail a couple of times with some sales organization structure. And, you know, hopefully you're not failing big because that that could always set you back a little bit, a year or so. But you know, those decisions are critical in terms of making that transition from that 20 to 50 million, if you will. Is it obvious to me? I mean, I, I, I kind of want to ask a question that seems elementary, but you mentioned 20 million. Are there benchmarks that I should just kind of be looking for and, and say, okay, my company has hit this size, or as a founder, have I reached some capacity? Or how do I know? Uh, should I be surrounding myself with you know the right advisors to help guide me through this? How do I know when I is it a time thing? So you mentioned kind of product market fit. We've been here three years and it's going well, or we've shown growth, market growth, market acceptance of X percent. What are some of the signals I should be listening for, watching for? Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC Financial Flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com There's always a ton of great benchmarks out there. Um, you know, how companies in, I mean, if you talked about, say, software companies, for example, there's lots of benchmarks out there for best in class um, and how they were very efficient um, in driving forward and the decisions that they made, whether they um, are looking at, you know, say, again, that enterprise effort. Um, how did, you know, the best in class of these companies sort of been able to move that needle forward? Um, so there's lots of metrics out there that you can see, you know, um, things like, you know, what was the cost to acquire customers? You know, how are your retention numbers, you know, focused? So did you have great retention with your clients and expansion of those clients? and you know, what kind of resources did you put against them? Did you put sort of good customer success, you know, or client management type resources to, you know, continue to focus on retention? So there's lots of those kinds of metrics out there, you know, that show best in class and worst in class and those in the middle and how they, you know, went from a 20 to a 40, you know, um, by and, and some of the investment initiatives that they use to kind of drive that forward. So once I'm there, let's say I get my round of funding, or let's say that I want to be really specific about here's what I need to do with that funding. Do you have some guidance on how do I not just act the part of a company that wants to kind of be in that midsize, but how do I be that? How do I position myself? What kind of structure, what kind of uh, you know infrastructure do I need to start to do that so I can move to that? 20 to 50, 20 to 60, and then 60 to 100, whatever my mindset is. 
I found, you know, um, in the marketing funnel, I think it's important to really test and understand where you're having better success. Mm. Um, you may be using one channel that's producing certain results. So really doing a good job of sort of measuring the trends uh, that, you know, uh, are occurring within these different marketing funnel opportunities to lead, to generate better lead opportunities, better, you know, uh, opportunities for sales to kind of the sales team to close and then looking at close processes, um, you know, what does the sales cycle look like? So it gets very granular in really trying to measure that. So I think it's important for organizations to have a decent infrastructure to allow yourself to measure the performance of some of your marketing and or sales initiatives. Um, and that comes through sales ops um, or operations teams. So sometimes, you know, I think that and this is biased, but the GNA function gets you know short shifted in terms of re resource. Um, yet there's a demand for data and information to help us drive decision making, right? And let's say that is a bit of a cliche, but it is true: data driven decision making. And if you don't have the data and you're not really evaluating it properly, you're not necessarily helping yourself as you put resources towards certain initiatives. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to measure those initiatives. Uh, and I do think, you know, having a good sort of operations team that helps to, you know, identify trends uh, and successful trends, unsuccessful trends as your, you know, because your resources aren't flush, you're not sitting on a huge amount of, you know, capital, you know, you have to use it wisely. So I do think, you know, helping to measure all of those marketing and sales initiatives are really important as you're trying to make decisions to drive you know, forward but growing from 20 to 40 or 50. I think that's really interesting and good advice for two reasons. One, you know, as, as a marketing pro, what you do as a startup is very different than what you do when you reach that sort of mid-size and you know, engineering almost becomes part of what you need to do. That's when you get into the really, as you said, granular A-B testing. What if we move the button from this page to that page or from this side to that side? If we see a 2.1% increase in this, it lifts that. It becomes very different from maybe more of the creative-minded aspect that the startup might be enjoying. It's becoming very much, we need to, we need to have more and more quality data to respond to. The second thing that I love about what you're sharing, it's kind of a segue too, is you're talking a lot about systems and processes. And in that startup world, as you said about the founder, there's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of hard work, but you can't get to that next place unless you have predictable systems and processes. What do you think is the role? And you've kind of dropped a pile of knowledge on us just this morning, but how should I be looking at this from, uh, let's say I'm a founder. What sort of advisors do I need around me? If maybe I've got a board, maybe I've got a small team, but do I have a CFO? Do I need a CFO? And should they be providing me with the same level of insight that you are? Or should I be seeking that from, I don't know, somebody else who's, you know, my 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 pickleball buddy who's also a startup uh, and now he's trying to merge in? Talk to talk to me a little bit about how how I should be uh sourcing my decision making. I like the pickleball reference. <laughs> huge phenomenon across the world um 
anyway uh yeah i well i do think you know when you're in that 20 million range you know to have a cfo that's had a lot of sort of operation experience uh is critical um you know you're wearing in these start you know these stages of companies you wear a lot of hats so uh, i've sat in that seat you know probably eight different times you know uh and building that operations support um, having that experience and helping companies scale is critical. Uh, I think it's very important to be able to provide the data that the company needs and support, you know, your peers on the management team, support the marketing folks, support the, you know, the head of marketing, support the head of sales, um, support, you know, even sort of the, you know, head of you know, tech in any capacity to help them with data, uh, to make them smarter. Uh, as they drive forward in their departments and as they, you know, pull resources together to help grow the company at that stage. So I think it's very important to have systems in place, you know, and my team in particular, you know, typically is not just obviously you have the accounting heads, you have the FP&A, which is really more sort of business operations is the sexier term for FP&A these days, but it is very uh, instrumental and has a big impact um, on helping teams be smarter with that data driven decision making because you know we're pulling together a ton of data and helping them analyze the data and we're good at that that's sort of our dna mm. you know more so than um you know other folks todd sloan with us uh for sort of part two of our growth and scale for you know emerging companies uh conversation todd it's been really Great to talk with you this morning. Thanks again for joining us. And I'm excited for part three. Uh, I don't think we should wait 10 more months, but I think we should have part three where we take us to the final chapter of now I'm huge and, and what should I be doing to be, to get huge? And if I find myself huge, how should I stay huge? Or uh, what are some of the pitfalls I can avoid there? But for today, in that sort of mid-sized company, you've given us a lot of guidance on um the essentials and, and the importance of data and surrounding myself with people who can help me get that data and how growth and, and profitability are key parts of that sort of uh, venture capital conversation as the as the the tight as the purse strings are tightening a little bit. Um, you need to be an organization that can shine through some of that. Todd, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for your generous uh, expertise. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.